Welcome to the Break the Stigma podcast, where each episode, we focus on raising awareness and debunking the negative stigma behind mental health. Hey, what's up, everyone? My name's Angel. I'm Kiana. And this is... And this is... The Break the the Stigma Stigma podcast. Podcast. Damn it, we were so close. I think that's the first time we, like, so nearly got it. (laughs) Yep. Um, So... (laughs) Today, Kiana, do you want to tell the people uh, what we're going to be talking about? Yes. Well, um, as you guys know from like watching previous episodes, we both suffer from depression. Um, So we're just going to talk about our experience with it, how it began, um, and just how we deal with it in our day-to-day lives. Um, Yeah. yeah. So do you want to go into how it started for you or when you noticed you started developing signs of depression? Okay. Um, well, it started around like age 10 after my parents separated for the first time. Um, that's when I was first diagnosed. I didn't, I guess, realize that I was depressed. Like I just knew that I was sad and I didn't want to do much. Um, and also I was in like fifth grade. So like, I didn't have like the understanding of what depression was when I was first diagnosed with it. Um, so I, um, went to the, I went to like a therapist or something and got diagnosed with it. And over the years, it's just persist, persisted. Um, yes. Uh, I think around the time of like, when I was in sixth grade, like 11, 12 ish around that time, like that's when I really, really like felt like I was depressed. Um, and like understood that like I had depression. Yeah, I think um, for me, it started when I was in also around fifth grade. Um, I was like 11 and um, it was whenever one of my close friends, she committed suicide um, due to her depression. And um, after like that happened, my I just completely like my emotions went all out of whack. And, you know, also fifth grade is when you're like peak going through puberty. So that didn't really help because my hormones were all over the place. Oh, um, yeah. But having one of my like close friends who like I went to for basically everything because she understood and she was depressed herself, obviously, um, having her like pass away due like be, due to her taking her own life was definitely like the downfall of my own um, depression. And that's when I got a lot deeper into it, but I didn't get officially diagnosed with it until I was like 15, I want to say. Gotcha. Yeah. I realized I was, you were so young. Yeah, I was little. Like, she was a little older than me, um, but I was young. And I am actually, uh, I processed it in therapy for the first time, like ever. And that brought up a lot of emotions because I hadn't processed it with any of my therapists before. Um, but my- Was this ther- recently? Yeah. But my current therapist, Danielle, uh, we have a trauma journal and um, we went over like the specific day that it happened because our birthday just passed actually. And so mm-hmm. we went over, let's say it happened and like processed it step by step. And that was really hard. Um, like, cause obviously that's the day that like my entire life just, I feel like shifted having going from having one of my best friends to not having so yeah, that was depressing. Do you want to talk about how um, your depression specifically like affects your everyday life, like day to day, 
like take us through a day in the life of Kiana in a depressive episode? I feel like over the years, the day of the day, and I can't English, like a day for me with depression would has like morphed and changed. I think right now it's a lot of um, laying in bed and not really showering or brushing my teeth. It's like a real effort to do those things. Um, utilizing my eating disorder more, more of like the restriction, restricting part of it. Um, plus sometimes I just don't feel hungry, but also I'm like, it's intentional when I am hungry. Yeah. Um, just a lot of, um, negative thoughts. I think the biggest difference of like depression, my depressive episodes now and like in the past is I don't, I don't self-harm as much, which is. That's good. Yeah, out of like all the things, like I'm still doing things that are not good for me, but um, self-harm was like one of the hardest um, struggles that I've overcome. When's so. the last time you did? Oh, uh, it's been, I maybe, I wanna say maybe a month ago. Yeah. Uh, and before that it had been like three weeks before so the time of like the instances of me self-harming have definitely spaced out that's good I'm proud of you um, they grow nice. up so fast do you like know when you're falling into a depressive episode or does it just kind of like hit you out of nowhere and like you just don't see it coming or do you like slowly feel yourself falling into it from like a happy place um the crazy thing is two things um, can like, I can identify or like, I guess one thing that I can truly identify like when I'm falling in a depressive episode, <laughs> excuse me, I have PMDD, which is um, uh, premenstrual dysphoria disorder or dysphoric or something. I don't, I don't remember. It's, yeah, it's PMS, but like to the extreme and it doesn't affect me in the, like sometimes my cramps are off and I have more bloating than normal, but it's, um, it mostly affects like my hormones and my depression. So I am normally at like this stable rate with my depression. Like I do have like really down moments, but I'm fine. But then the time, like a week or sometimes two weeks before my period starts, I can feel feel like a, like an instant change and I'm going downhill. And depending on how bad that change is um, with my period, it will persist until like throughout and a little bit after my period. So um, that will cause like a depressive episode or, um, and like the other ways, it's just like more subtle. Like I don't really realize that I'm becoming more depressed until I'm there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And sometimes there's things that I do to like prevent, um, you know, it getting worse. And then other times like, it's just like, wow, this just got worse and I didn't even know, like, it's weird. Yeah. How about I you? For me, I think, <clears throat> my day in the life of a depressive episode um like you said it it's also really hard for me to like just get out of bed like just getting out of the covers and from my little comfy cocoon is like hard enough and then like having to get dressed and put a bra on and shower and all the like things that seem so minuscule like everyday life activities to normal people is like the 
hardest thing ever for me. Like I genuinely feel like I'm doing a long division algebraic <laughs> like it's so genuinely hard to just get my ass in the shower and motivate myself to like wash up or like brush my teeth or even brush my hair like my hair whenever it's not straight it's in a braid because I can't stand to manage my curly hair it's just too much for me um and I feel like if I wasn't depressed it would be different um but as far as like seeing a depressive episode coming on I never see it coming mostly because I struggle with bipolar I think um, <laughs> I was I was diagnosed with it, but then we changed the diagnosis to BPD. But then I'm not sure if I still have bipolar. It's weird. It's a very confusing dynamic of my diagnoses. But um, gotcha. with bipolar, it's episodes of mania and episodes of depression. And I very minimally have my episodes of mania. But when I do, it's like it happens in like an hour, and that crash like really hard. So I always know it's coming whenever I have an episode of mania. Um, but if I'm not manic for a while, then sometimes it'll just hit out of nowhere. Like I'm having solid, like, you know, surface level mood days. And then all of a sudden some minimal thing happens and I'm just down for the count. Over the years of like you getting treated for depression and of course you have like other mental health issues and stuff, but um so I guess that accounts for all of them, but um, how did it, how did you feel like it worked, helped, or didn't, or I think, um, I don't know, it's like weird, you can't, like depression is such a complex disorder that it's hard to just treat depression, like there's so many things right. that, that, like, you have to treat with depression, it's like, is it the motivation that you're struggling with, is it the, like, moods that you're struggling with, things like that, so you can't just overall treat depression it's like all the different bits and pieces of the puzzle um mm-hmm. but I think one thing that has helped me is even though I really hate cognitive uh, behavioral therapy CBT um it does help in my mind when it's going in that direction of like I deserve to be dead I should not be here um when it's spinning in that cycle uh CBT has helped me like you know changing the way that I think about it and trying to spin it in a more positive like I deserve to be here and positive affirmations and things like that um but I haven't really at least not yet I haven't found a solid thing like go-to thing that works for me whenever I'm like intensely in a depressive episode it's just like like you know how like do you ever have like your uh have you done the stoplight thing where it's like you rank you're feeling like green light yellow light red light no out so like in res I did this thing where it was like you have certain coping skills for green light means like you're you're like getting oh yes I did yeah you did okay and then yellow light is like you're getting up there and red light is like you're about to lose your absolute shit (laughs) um so for me I only really have like coping skills for when I'm at my highest like losing my shit but I don't have coping skills for when I'm like leading up to it and I think that's the problem is that I wait for it to get so bad that I don't want to use any coping skills because I'm already deep in my shit um Mm -hmm. so I think it would help if I had coping skills that were like more for when I was like approaching the downfall you know like the going up part of the roller coaster and I'll just (laughs) yeah I I can definitely understand that what about you? Um, uh, about therapy? Yeah. 
Um, no, I haven't found anything that truly like helps. Like my therapist that I have now is awesome. Um, but, and then I obviously, I take meds, not obviously, I take meds too. And I don't think I found like the right um, combination for meds and like I've tried alternatives like ECT even, um, and that really hasn't helped. Um, a couple of like doctors said I have treatment resistant depression and even that label is kind of discouraging. Uh, like if I, like the treatments that normally that are like the gold standards aren't working, then what am I gonna do? Yeah. But I, yeah. um, not to like be like a downer, I have, I am starting this thing called TMS. Um, I forget what it stands for, but it's like a treatment for depression and hopefully that helps. Do you think that out of all like your mental um, illnesses, because obviously both of us struggle with <laughs> much more than just depression, um, how on the last episode on eating disorders, we were ranking our symptoms um, how would you rank your mental illnesses, like with your eating disorder, your depression, your borderline, like how would you rank all of them? Like, do you think your depression is worse than your eating disorder or is it all sort of interconnected in a way? I can't truly answer that question because like my eating disorder and my depression are so like intermingled. Like at some point my eating disorder is worse and then it's my depression right now. It's like my depression, then my eating disorder. And then the BPD, it's like, I, I am not, I don't know enough about it because it's just like such a new development. So I don't even know how to rank that. And then PTSD, I don't know how to rank that either because it flares up at like different times. Like right now, I guess it would be the bottom because it's not like on my radar of like issues yeah. because I have a yeah. lot of other things going on. Oh, my voice just like went super low. I'm like, ah. Uh. <laughs> anyway, uh, how about you? What do you, what do you, are you able to rank them or is it like yeah, similar? So I've always actually ranked them like funny, funnily, funnily. Is that what's in a word? <laughs> funnily enough. Um, funny enough. Yeah, funny enough. I've always ranked like as I got more diagnoses, just added on to me. I just like, I always put them in a rank because my brain works in boxes and like, I just have to organize everything. Um, mm -hmm. So for me, my borderline is definitely at the like tippy top because that's something that I deal with every single day, every aspect of my life. It's literally my personality. Like I have to deal with it every day. Um, and then my eating disorder and then my PTSD and then my depression. I think my depression's at the bottom because I don't really think about it much, mostly because my, whenever I get depressed, I think of it more so linked to my borderline because borderline, you have your episodes of you're up and you're down, but it's like the extreme up and down. And then for me, my like depression diagnosis is at the bottom because it's just when I'm like, sort of like lack of motivation to do anything, but it's not my like, am I making sense yeah no I understand what you're saying okay because I was like that probably made no sense at all but like I put my depression and my BPD on different scales because depression outside of borderline for me isn't as bad as the depression within my borderline personality disorder. right yeah that makes a lot of sense um and I think people that like suffer from borderline personality disorder and depression can understand that 
and I think even your explanation was made sense. Um, but podcast listeners, if you have more questions or need clarification, definitely comment. Um, you know, we will address it. We have a blog on our website. Definitely feel free to uh, utilize that. You can use the comment section or on the directly on the YouTube video. You can comment there. Shoot us an email, break.the.stigma.podcast21 at gmail.com. Um, yeah, she made that super complicated. <laughs> break the Stigma podcast was unavailable. So, um, and then our Instagram is break the stigma underscore podcast. Shoot us a DM if you have any questions. We'd be happy to answer them. We always love, to, we should do a QA episode if we get enough uh, questions. Oh, that's a good idea. But I have a question for you. Um, so, you said like you, did, you weren't diagnosed with depression until you were 15, but from like 11 to 15, could your parents? see a difference in you did they notice something like "Mm, what's wrong with angel (laughs) i think um they more so i don't want to say like this making them sound shitty but i think they just thought that i was like being lazy even though in like my like own point of view it was that i was just too depressed to do anything like i wouldn't be doing my chores i wouldn't be showering regularly brushing my teeth regularly but they just took it as me being like lazy and not wanting to take care of myself um, but in reality, I just had an untreated chemical imbalance. Mental illness. Yeah, exactly. Um, and my mom was really against medication for a while, which is understandable because there's a lot of different side effects, like really bad side effects there can be just certain antidepressants, but especially for kids. Yeah, exactly. And, um, especially while your brain is still developing at that young age, it's, it can be complicated, Um, Mm -hmm. but whenever I first got on meds, it was definitely like a huge relief. Um, my very first psychiatrist, whenever she put me on my Prozac, it was like, everything just went uphill from there and it was just great. Um, so medication definitely did help me. It doesn't help everyone and it's not like a end all be all cure for it. Um, but it definitely alleviated a lot of my symptoms, even though Mm -hmm. they went like unmanaged for a solid like four years which is probably why I'm so fucked up right now because (laughs) I was untreated for like the height of all of my symptoms being like crazy um well my my mom could tell early on that I was depressed that's why she took me to a doctor and she's and the doctor's like yeah she's depressed um the doctor actually um wanted me to go to like the crisis center for some reason I don't like remember like what I said to like convey that I wanted I don't know that I was a danger to myself or something I don't know but apparently yeah apparently it was apparent to everyone else um that I was depressed but it it kind of went treated and didn't like the therapist that I went to there was issues with her and my mom so I stopped seeing her I didn't really get real, real treatment until I was 14. And even then it was not good. The therapist that I had um, was not a kind man. He wasn't compassionate. And he said that like my self-harm and my suicidal thoughts meant that I didn't love my mom, even though I like, and said like, and basically like questioned the love that I had for my mom. He doesn't work there anymore. But the, one of the um, staff members who was also just horrible um, still works there, which is unfortunate for the people that go there um, as adolescents. But hey, you know, um, I didn't get the treatment that I think I should have gotten as a, at, when I was younger. 
but also my mom did try her hardest and she also had her own depression that she was going through. So I don't fault her at all. Um, so speaking on, on that, do you think that your depression, uh, because there's, I saw a debate on Twitter as to whether or not depression is genetic or if it's like, you know, the nature versus nurture argument. Like, yeah. Like some people develop depression because they lacked that nurturing as a child. And then other people develop depression because they're just genetically inclined to it because their parents or grandparents struggle with it. So do you think yours was more of a nurture thing or a nature thing? I think it was both. Um, like, of course, like my mom had depression and she wasn't diagnosed until later on in her life. There are instances that she pointed, she pointed out that like made her think like, maybe, yeah, maybe I was depressed when I was younger. Um, but you know, it was taboo for people to go to therapy, especially black women. Black people in general, yeah. therapy is yeah. like not a thing. Um, but also I think around, around the time that I became depressed, there was a lot of just familial stuff going on and my mom's depression got worse. Um, so I wasn't supported in like the, in the, not, it wasn't like a trauma, but I guess at the time it was traumatizing. Like right now I wouldn't, I like, it's whatever they got separated. But at the time it was a life altering thing. My world was shook and I didn't get enough support from my mom or my dad. Cause my dad basically, he, he didn't abandon us, but like he left for a couple months and like, I didn't see him. So I didn't get that, um, what I needed. Yeah. So it's definitely yeah. Right now, it's definitely more of a chemical imbalance than anything because my life is fine. It's just depression. <laughs> Good old depression. Good old depression. Um, for me, I think, like, like you said, I think it's like both in a sense because obviously depression is just what it is. It is a chemical imbalance in your brain. Like that's scientifically speaking what it is. Um, and mm -hmm. I mean, I had a great childhood, don't get me wrong, but like looking back on it and like processing a lot of things in therapy, there were certain things in my childhood that I look back on and I'm like, yeah, that definitely was a lead up to me eventually having depression. Um, like yeah, split up as well. And obviously, like you said, like right now, like they're together and it's fine. But back then that was like a huge deal for little four-year-old me, like that was huge. And then my little brother randomly comes into the picture and I'm no longer the only child, like spoiled brat that I was. And so, yeah, it was definitely like my childhood was great, but like there's definitely some things I look back on and it's like, oh, wow, like that was definitely a challenge that led to where I am today. Yeah, definitely. Let alone the fact that like there was other traumas too that could definitely have like ramped up the likelihood of you having depression. Yeah, exactly. Even growing up, I looked around at my siblings and I'm like, what happened to me? <laughs> like, why am I fucked up? And my siblings are like smelling roses because my sister didn't suffer more until our adulthood, but still the same. Yeah, exactly. My, uh, I mean, my little brother, he has like anger issues, but <laughs> like, I don't know, like that's the extreme of what he has uh, okay. yeah so with that being said we're gonna take a short break and when we come back we're gonna go on the happier end of things and talk about how uh we make our symptoms a little bit more manageable and how we have like overcome the hardships of our depression basically so yes yeah, stay tuned
Hey guys, it's Angel and Kiana from Break the Stigma Podcast. And we're here to tell you how easy it is to start a podcast with Anchor. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download Download the the free Anchor Anchor app or or go to anchor.fm to get started. And we're back. back. Welcome back, guys. So over the break, we discussed uh, what we're going to talk about in the uh, last half of the episode. Kiana, you Mm -hmm. want to fill them in? We are going to be talking about um, just how we are doing now with our day-to-day lives with depression. And Angel, do you want to start? Yeah, that was weird. Um, so for me, as far as managing my symptoms, obviously I'm in therapy. I'm in therapy twice a week. Um, and so, uh, that is basically my entire life. I don't know what I would do without my two sessions a week. Honestly, like I don't know where I would be. That's like literally my rock is therapy. Like that's what keeps me stable and keeps me from going insane. Uh, so yeah, that's basically how I manage my day-to-day life now. And, um, it definitely makes my symptoms more tolerable. I would say it even minimizes them like a lot being that I have someone to openly talk about my symptoms with rather than having to keep it in and worry about it, like bottling up and bottling up until I explode, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. How do you uh, make symptoms more tolerable? I also go to therapy. Um, so I'm in IOP. Um, so I go to IOP now five days a week for three hours. And then I have my another therapist that I see outpatient. Um, I see her once a week. And that has helped and talking to the people that I'm with program has helped me manage my day to day. And also, um, I try to fill my time with things that I enjoy, um, different things to distract myself because I, if I'm doing nothing, then my brain will spiral. Yeah. So right now I'm applying for a shit ton of scholarships for college because, um, broke bitch out here. With your um, program, even though it's for technically for your eating disorder, do you think it also helps you manage your depression as well? Yes, but in like a different sense, going to program every day and having somewhere to be gets me out of the house, forces me to, and it's an hour and a half away. So it forces me to drive an hour and a half away. And then it forces me to socialize with people. Um, And even though, like, I feel like since my eating disorder symptoms are going down, my depression is getting up. So having that, having that to do definitely helps because if not, then I would be stewing in my, in my head. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think um, for me, like I, my mom thinks that I put too much on my plate, uh, but I don't think she realizes that if I didn't have too much on my plate, that I would be going stir crazy with my depression. Um, Yeah. For me, the biggest thing for me, like, with managing it is having distraction. So I have two jobs. I work at a massage place and a hair place. I do DoorDash. I manage this podcast. I manage my dad's podcast. I manage my clothing business and my dad's clothing business. And then on top of that, I am a full-time student. So I think that having, like, even though all of it seems like a lot and it's like, seems like a lot to handle for me, it's just a way to distract myself from getting too caught up in all the tangled up mess of thoughts in my brain. Yeah, that not to mention you're taking like how many summer classes this summer? 
two. I dropped one. <laughs> I dropped two and now I'm taking one mostly because I can't pay for it. With your um, depression, do you have like a daily, this might not make sense, so I'll give an example. Uh, do you have like a daily regimen that you do to like help you, help motivate you to like do the things you need to like shower and brush your teeth? Like for me, I do, I make sure that even if I don't want to do any hygiene, taking care of myself things that the one thing I force myself to do is brush my hair. Um, and then once I do that, that kind of motivates me to do the rest of my like hygiene self-care routine. So do you have like one thing you do that like motivates you to kind of get the cycle going when you really don't feel like it? Um, no, but that's like an awesome suggestion I didn't, that I wouldn't have thought about. Um, yeah, my mornings, there's no routine to my life right now um, besides like going to program. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would help um, because being in PHP, like I had X, Y, and Z thing for six hours of the day. It used to be seven, but the schedule changed. Anyway, um, so yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, so I definitely. I Look at you, Angel. You're helping me out. I definitely think having a routine is important, especially for me. I mean, I don't think I have OCD and I'm not one to self diagnose, but I'm definitely very obsessive when it comes to my schedule and routine and planning things and mm -hmm. if I didn't have a set routine every day I don't know what I would do like I need to wake up at a certain time I go to work I have my certain work schedule the podcast schedule like if it's if anything is off I just go insane so I think having yeah. this routine is also a way of like distracting myself and keeping my symptoms at bay so I think it's important to even just find anything that not completely like suppresses the symptoms but just keeps them at surface level so that you don't have to deal with them at large right yeah it reminds me of a lot of like emotion regulation like abc please yeah um yeah. or more of the please part of abc please and i forget it we talked about it like two <laughs> weeks ago but yeah just making sure that you're everything around you is good so you're good I think sure the part actually is helpful. Specifically, um, the B, it's build mastery. And I think yeah. that goes along with the whole making a routine for yourself and sticking to it. Um, like for me, like, you know how it's like, it takes 21 days to make a habit or something like that. So I started yeah, yeah. With, like brushing my hair thing since I got diagnosed with depression, like whenever I felt like I didn't want to get out of bed to shower, do anything, like I would sit in my bed, in my pajamas, in my covers and just take the brush and go through my hair. Cause obviously my hair would be a tangled mess from not showering for a few days if I didn't. Um, so the one thing I would do is brush my hair. And then if I brush my hair, that would get my like brain going in the process of like, okay, like next is brush your teeth and then you shower. And it got my brain like in the routine of things. So I think it really helps. Um, the more, if you stick to something, like don't just do it once and be like, okay, like that worked. I'm not going to do it again. Like continuously do it because then it trains your brain. Um, the brain or is even like, if it like didn't work the first time, I think, because of course, something that you don't want to do or like don't have the motivation to do isn't going to be fun. But I think once you do it, it's like training your, like you said, training your brain. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that the brain is a muscle. So it's just like, like, I like, um, one of my very first psychiatrist said this to me, like at one of my first appointments, she said that like the brain is a muscle and it's just like, if you want to work your biceps, you work, you work out every day or certain days you have arm day. Like you have to 
work your brain in order for it to be healthy. Um, yeah. it's, you can't just like, you have to train it. It's not just going to do things for you on its own. Like you have to train mm-hmm. it to do what you want it to do. So if you want your brain to release that serotonin that you need, you got to, you got to work with it, I guess. Yeah. That's what my, um, my therapist at PHP, she always talks about neuro- neuroplasticity, um, because your brain has the ability to change. And sometimes I'm just, when I, when um, she says something that makes you think, or like that, I don't really want to believe I say ill. So of course that was my response, but I, I, I think she's true. Well, you know, she got a, a degree in this, but I feel like it's true. Yeah. I believe yeah. her. <laughs> that's it for the podcast. Yeah. That's it for today. Guys. Thank you so much for tuning in and we hope to see y'all next time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bye. (laughs) Bye, guys.